0: Global Wellness Transformation presents a unique podcast series featuring leading-edge, forward-thinking innovators who are pioneering breakthroughs in wellness. Personal wellness, family and community wellness, environmental wellness, and financial wellness. From GWT Media, this is Clothing the Emperor, new paradigms of wellness and wealth. In each episode, we speak with individuals who are truly having an impact in the world. In this episode, the first of a two-part interview with Dr. Carolyn McMakin, the pioneer of frequency-specific microcurrent therapy. Dr. McMakin's groundbreaking work with FSM has changed the lives of thousands of individuals around the world. Carol, your book, your book is entitled The Resonance Effect. What do you mean by resonance? What is that?
1: In science, in physics, resonance is the, what's the official definition? It's the tendency of a system to oscillate at certain frequencies more than others. So for the easiest example is if you have a tuning fork tuned to 128 hertz on one side of the room, and you have a tuning fork of the same type four feet away, and you strike the tuning fork on the left, and it hums, and the tuning fork on the right begins to vibrate because they're set at the same frequency. They match each other. Resonance is, for example, in the 17 or 1800s, they found out that soldiers marching in step across a bridge could create a vibration that would match the frequency that held the bridge together, and the bridge would collapse. Hmm. So from that day to this, when soldiers march across the bridge, they break step. That yeah trick where the singer sings a note that shatters a lead crystal grass, that only works with 70% lead because the frequency that binds lead atoms together is within the range of the human voice. And if the note is precise and sustained, the lead atoms vibrate oscillate at larger amplitudes than at any other frequency. They vibrate so much that the lead crystal comes apart and the glass shatters. So those are three mechanical examples. Resonance is a thing in physics, but I think it's also, if you read the book, there was this calling I had to be in medicine and i just followed that resonance
0: well I mean, I, I, and i think there are probably thousands of people who are glad you did uh, <laughs> and it's uh you know what it, what it really boils down to i guess carol is that you know all of us are vibrating and <clears throat> you know a is simply sort of birds of the same vibration flocking together perhaps or you know magnets that are are attracted to each other. What I really want to get into is why the work you do, which is called frequency specific microcurrent um, mm-hmm. treatment or therapy, why mm-hmm. does it work? Why does it work on the human body the way it does?
1: That is delicious because initially, I'm I'm a clinician. I'm a fix it guy. My job is to take what makes you uncomfortable or be in pain and fix it. So I started out with a list of frequencies that there was an osteopath named Harry Van Gelder who bought a practice in 1946. And he walked into the back room and there was this machine under a sheet and he took the sheet off and there's this machine and it had a list of frequencies that were put together in 1922. George Douglas went and worked with Harry Van Gelder in 1983 and brought the frequencies home and put them in a drawer. And in 1995, when I started practice, George was moving and he found this list of frequencies and he brought it in and he said, you know, this microcurrent machine has two channels. I wonder if these frequencies would work on it. And I said, I don't know, let's try it. So we started experimenting on patients. You can't feel the current and the frequencies, if they weren't correct, didn't do any harm. It's like, okay. So as we went forward, we found out we could treat nerve pain. In medicine, nerve pain is just awful to try and treat. It's the most difficult. For us, it's the easiest. And how it works is a combination of what the frequencies do and what the current does. So the current, micro amperage current, is millionths of an amp. It's the same kind of current your body produces on its own. So your body can use it directly. In three different animal studies, they know that the current alone, by itself, increases energy production in the cells by 500%, so ATP energy, cellular energy, it increases it by 500%, increases protein synthesis by 70%, amino acid transport by 40%. So they know about the current. The frequencies after, it actually took us 15 years to develop a model that made sense. Every cell has receptors like, almost like little mushrooms, all little protein receptors, sort of like cloves on an orange, you know, have you ever seen an Mm. orange that has cloves? So that's, there's these little protein receptors. And if my two fingers, are we doing video or just audio? Video. Video, okay, so my two fingers are up, this is the receptor. And the receptor is connected to kinases, the little proteins. And those are connected to transcription factors, and those are connected to the DNA in the cell. And that is connected to messenger RNA, that is connected to microRNA, and that microRNA assembles whatever it is the cell wants to put out. So these receptors respond to uh, bits of tissue, damage-associated molecular patterns, pathogen Infection-associated molecular patterns, and let's say, let's say it's a damage-associated molecular pattern. So you have a inflammation in your low back or your neck, and that those bits of tissue you've bumped your knee or something, that lands on this receptor, that activates the whole cellular machinery, and that makes the cell put out inflammation as a response to the damage that you've done to your wrist, your knee, or your back. All right. Now, when you take an Advil or an ibuprofen, some anti-inflammatory, the anti-inflammatory doesn't work on what's floating around in your blood. It lands on this receptor like a key in a lock. Mm. And it, change, it blocks this receptor from producing the changes inside the cell that make the cell put out inflammation. That's yeah. how ibuprofen works. It's a key in a lock. Well, yeah. if you think about the frequencies, you can open your car door with a key, like an Advil. Well, you can also open your car door with a little key fob. It sends a frequency-specific signal To your car, there are 12 gray Subarus all parked in a row, and you beep your key fob, and one and only one of those cars responds. Our idea, based on the data, so when we treated inflammation in the spinal cord in fibromyalgia patients, all of the inflammatory cytokines and substance P, which is is produced in the spinal cord, everything that the cells in the spinal cord turn out responded only to the frequency to reduce inflammation in the spinal cord. And the only thing that would do that would be if the frequencies affected this receptor and that affected everything that the cell put out. Hmm. So that's the model we have. It's a model, I don't have any data, but it's the only thing that makes sense of everything we're able to do, is increase energy and change cell signaling. It's like your key fob. So if you used a key fob to open your car, today you have used a frequency-specific technology.
0: Mm-hmm. And you know, they, I thought what what are the amazing things? And there's so many around frequency specific microcurrent uh, technology. Is that this isn't new? It was you. You, you talked about that fellow who discovered a machine uh, from the twenties, mm-hmm. covered in a in a sh- in a shroud, and he whipped it off, and lo and behold, there's a catalog of frequencies sitting alongside it. Sure. And he I guess at the time he didn't put two and two together, but but it seems to be, you know, it's like uncovering an artifact that indicates that there were people here on that. Maybe we were seeded by, you know, another race or something. and, And here's this evidence here. This stuff was, was around a long time ago.
1: Oh, it was, it was, they started using frequency therapies and electrical therapies in about 1908 and, or 1900 or so. And then the Flexner Report came out in 1910 as drug, drug companies began to be formed. And by 1925, the AMA said that we have to regulate or standardize medicine. We have to have a standard curriculum in medical schools. There should be fewer medical schools. We're only going to use prescription drugs and surgery and radiation, that's it. Everything, herbs, nutrition, homeopathy, and electromagnetic therapies are unscientific, so they made all of that illegal. Well, this osteopath and naturopath from England and Australia came in to this clinic in 1946, and this machine had been put in the back room and covered up with a sheet. He uncovered it, he was Dutch, he was Australian, He didn't know all the hoo-ha that happened in 1922 or 25. It's 20 years. So he walks in and he teaches himself how to use the frequencies based on what's on the list. He uses osteopathic manipulation. He uses, treats acupuncture points. He uses herbs. He uses nutrition. And he got to be quite famous, which is why George went down and worked with him in 1983. So they made it illegal, and now the luck that I've had is that the devices we use are approved. They're microcurrent devices. You can use them for anything. And as long as what I say about the frequencies, I don't make any claims. I'm a clinician. I do this, and this happened. Hmm. And then I publish it. And all I can say is, when I do this, that happens. And then I do this again, and that happens again. And then pretty soon you can predict, if this is what walks in the door, and I do that, this is what's going to happen. And then I can teach it. And the fact that it's teachable and reproducible means it's not just me. That's the thing that's the most important. If I was the only one that could do it, it wouldn't mean anything. And it's not complicated. I don't have to somebody doesn't have to spend forty years sitting in a cave learning how to meditate and do it with his hands. I don't have to be having a good day. Forty hertz is going to reduce inflammation. The question is, do you want to induce reduce inflammation? So that's the other thing. As you as I've done this for thirty years or twenty-seven years, you learn to be respectful because the frequencies are going to do what they are described as doing. If you use 40 Hertz to reduce inflammation, the body uses inflammation to contain infection. Ever get a paper cut and your finger gets red? Well, it's infected. If you run 40 Hertz to reduce the inflammation, it won't be red anymore. And that will last for about maybe two to four hours. But in the four hours that the inflammation is down, the infection will proliferate. The cops are gone. The fence is gone. And you take the inflammation away and the infection will actually get worse. So you treat a patient for inflammation in the jaw, let's see, and he leaves and he feels better. But four hours later he calls and he said, my jaw hurts worse than it did before and then you say you call your dentist and you get in this afternoon because you've got an infected tooth it's diagnostic so you i've learned to be very respectful about what the frequencies will do it's the more i use them the it's what makes practice so much fun
0: you use you use yeah i, I can imagine i mean talk about something that makes your feet hit the ground in the morning when you get up but what what I find interesting and I got this loud and clear from your book is that uh, you know you'll use a specific frequency well you say 40 hertz for inflammation but you Mm -hmm. always combine it with something else which really is about uh, is about going to the the kernel the root of the problem so almost like the ibuprofen um, interrupting the uh, receptors on the uh, Mm -hmm. outside the nerves to seem to eradicate pain once that wears off boom pain comes back because it hasn't tackled the the root of the issue that's um but but what's also incredibly interesting for me is is why different ailments um and different illnesses different injuries respond to different frequencies and i guess this gets gets back to the you know my second question why does Frequency-specific microcurrent technology work, and it's it's the human body is pretty incredible, isn't it? <laughs> when you think oh, about it that way,
1: the more the more you use it, the more you and the more you you work in medicine, the more you know you don't know. It's on a it, it's it's deeper and deeper and deeper, and there's always a neurologic component. There's always a stress component. So it is not uncommon for me to use five, six, seven machines on the patient all at one time. So if you're going to treat somebody's digestive system for inflammation and allergy, right, they're allergic to foods all the time, well, what controls the immune system? What controls your digestive system? The vagus nerve. Then you ask the patient, when did you start having trouble with your digestion? I don't know. Well, just think about it. When did you oh yeah, I had I had this I had a divorce or I had an auto accident or I changed jobs or my boss was really mean or whatever. They had a stressful event or a physical injury or they had the flu or got an infection and then they got over the infection, but after that they started having all these food allergies and digestive troubles. Okay. The vagus nerve comes out of your brain. It controls your vocal cords. It controls sensation, saliva, um, your esophagus, your digestive system. It suppresses your immune system, T-cells, macrophages. So food sensitivities and general inflammation response. It controls your blood sugar, how much sugar comes out of your liver. That's all the vagus nerve. Okay, so the vagus is turned down by infection, stress, and trauma. Now, I could treat the patient's digestive system for inflammation, allergy reaction, leaky gut, all of the things we teach the digestive system for. But what's the point? Unless you treat the vagus... For whatever turned the vagus off, is probably gone, but the vagus just never turned itself all the way back on. So I treat the patient's digestive system and I treat the vagus nerve because the vagus controls the digestive system. So 20 years ago, I didn't treat the vagus. I just treated the digestive system. And my success now is a lot more lasting, more complete, because I treat upstream as well as downstream. And the more we learn, the more you know. And so I have colleagues that work in, that are MDs, work in physical medicine and rehab and neurology. And I have a patient right now with a genetic defect and a very particular pathway that goes from her foot up, I mean the nerve, up the spinal cord, up all the way through the brain. And it makes spasticity and weakness in the muscles in her legs and her trunk. And I can email them so I can change that temporarily but we have to get the genes to switch back. She has one copy that is correct and one copy that's missing. She was normal until she was 35. She's now 51. Well, it worked properly till she was 35. And then all of a sudden she started having these symptoms. She's got one good copy, one bad copy. What made it switch? So I can force it to work. We can get rid of the spasticity. Her walking is more normal. Her bladder works more normally. Her voice changes. The tremor in her hand goes away. And now we have to figure out how to get it to last. So I can text message these two, three MDs and say, okay, what do you know that I don't? because they have information about how the system works, what the neurotransmitters are, and what we need to give her so that she can produce the neurotransmitters she needs to produce, Mm -hmm. when I force the nervous system to secrete them. And I can do that with frequencies. I increase secretions in the parts of the brain and the spinal cord spasticity goes away, muscle tone improves, bladder improves, voice improves, and the tremor goes away. And then I mean that's yeah, it,
0: the incredible. more you
1: know
0: Yeah. That's <laughs> uh what's it like working with physicians? And I'm thinking of physicians who are, you know, they've they've come through the traditional medical um educational system and and have have bought into the old paradigms, et cetera. Um are they resistant when you talk to them about this stuff
1: 20 years ago most people were pretty skeptical skeptical and so when we would go to meetings especially like American Academy of Pain Management and American Academy of Physical Medicine and Rehab we have a we have a booth i have the data from NIH which gives us some credibility Um, We have the mouse research that gives us credibility. They see the data and then I just do a demonstration and It's like well, I have this elbow pain. Okay, so I treat it and it goes away It comes back the next day and he said I've had this problem with my foot for you know 15 years Okay so I treat the scar tissue in his ankle and do this and that and his foot pain goes away for the first time in 20 years and Then he came back and took a class and then he took it back to Cleveland clinic. And then I started teaching courses at Cleveland clinic. So the run of the mill MDs don't, they don't have time to think outside the box. Mm. And I'm fine with that. There's no reason. I mean, there's a reason God invented surgery and antibiotics. We tend to attract the MDs that are open-minded, smarter than the average bear, confident, and about halfway through their careers. Most of the MDs that take FSM, use FSM, or have their technicians use it, are in their 40s and 50s. So they've gone through the early phase where they they have to do what they're told to do. And and the MDs we have right now, I think about 20% of our practitioners are MDs or DOs, um, and they're medically trained. And I was a pharmaceutical salesman for 16 years. My doctors taught me medicine when I was 25 until I was 40. And so I've been in their world. I knew more about prescription medications, side effects, classes of drugs, uh, biochemistry, and pharmacology, I did it for 16 years. And so I can talk to their world. I worked in the hospital as a pharmaceutical rep. I worked in offices. Um, I know their world. And that shows. So we can speak the same. We can speak the same language. Um, right. If I, when I teach FSM, I teach to the level of medical and medical physicians and osteopaths. It's like you got to keep up.
0: Stay tuned for the second part of this fascinating conversation with Dr. Carolyn McMakin. This has been Clothing the Emperor new paradigms of wellness and wealth from global wellness transformation our digital content is produced by dave grime feel free to leave a comment below or by emailing us at globalwellnesstransformation@gmail.com. at gmail.com i'm chris henry thanks for watching and listening